Good morning and welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Re'eh Sheni, the second Aliyah in Parshas Re'eh. Boy, what an Aliyah. There is so much to learn here. This Aliyah is about the place that Hashem chooses. Our Aliyah is 18 sukkim long, running from Perek Yudbeis, Yud Aleph to Chofches. Basic summary and then we'll take a look at some points to ponder. Moshe tells Israel that the place that Hashem will choose will be the place where you will bring your sacrifices. It will be the place where you celebrate in front of our Kodesh Baruch Hu, all together, all parts of society and your family. But he warns them, don't bring practice, uh, sacrifices in any other place, in any place that you just see or want to. However, regarding regular meat, anytime you want to just eat regular meat, that you can do in any of your cities or your villages, but you may not eat the blood, rather you must spill it to the earth. You must also eat your matnas kohona, you, know, you may not eat your matnas kohona, your gifts to the priestly tribe in your gates, rather you need to bring it to the place where Hashem will choose, and it will be eaten by the Levite. Moshe also warns them not to abandon the Levite. Now, if Aliyah would start, stop over here, it would make a lot of sense, but then it seems to swing around and repeat itself in the middle of Aliyah. We're told that when Hashem will expand the borders of Israel, you will want to eat meat. And you may eat it in all of your villages. You may eat it like the deer. It may be a pure and impure people eating together, but don't eat the blood. It needs to be poured to the ground. And this is going to be good for you if you comply with this law. You'll bring your sacrifices in the sanctuary and the blood will be poured on the Mizbech. You should do what is Yashar, what is upright in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu for it to be good for you and your children. What's the biggest confusing part about this idea is it seems a direct repetition, the idea about being able to eat meat in your villages, and that's not eating blood. That seems to be repeated. Um, it is mentioned two times in direct succession over here. So let's, let's understand this idea in context. The first basic question is, if you reverse back to the first alia, it seems that we were also told the same law, the law that you may not sacrifice outside of the sanctuary. So why is it being repeated in this alia? at all. Rashi explains that the last Aliyah, Rishon, refers to the Mishkan. The Mishkan, yes, did serve Israel for the 39 years in the desert, but it all it was actually also in operation in Israel and gained a semi-permanent seat in the city of Shiloh for 369 years. Our Aliyah starts talking about the base Hamikdash, which is now also reiterating that the same laws apply to this as well. Now, why for the repetition of eating what's called basar ta'ava, meat which is not sacrificial? Why is there a repetition of not eating blood? As you remember from last aliyah, the idea is that there's two things happening at once here. One is, is that as they move out of the desert, in the desert they were restricted. If they wanted to have a basic lamb chop, they would have to bring that lamb as a sacrifice, as a shlomim, and then they would be able to take the meat that was due to them and eat it that way if they wanted to have a barbecue. Now, as they enter the land of Israel and they're going to be living all over, it seems that they're now allowed to eat basar ta'avah, regular meat, without a sacrifice. They can just shecht it in the backyard, not as a zevach, as a karban, but as shechita. And they're able to eat it. So that seems to be a loosening. They, go, they have a little bit more flexibility and not being as close to the base of Mikdash or the Mishkan. On the other hand, now all sacrifices must be brought in the Mishkan and they cannot be brought on bamos, on backyard altars. Those are the two things that are happening. Rashi points out that the two parts of Aliyah are referring to two different topics. The first part of Aliyah um, is not discuss, discussing actually Basar Ta'ava, regular meat. It's referring to a Kodshim, any holy um, um, animal which is supposed to be brought for some form of Kodshim. And it, it ha- receives a mum. It receives a, a wound. In such a case, it has a regulation that it needs to be consumed in Yerushalayim. 
within the Choma, in the wall of Yerushalayim. The second part of the Aliyah is about Basar Tava, about when we went to eat meat regularly during the times of the Beis HaMikdash. So that explains the two topics. This also helps us understand a few details, which is why in the first section of this Aliyah, it, um, it describes it that everyone can be eating this when if it were to be talking about regular Kodshim, why should a, a regular Israelite be able to eat it? Only a priest, a Kohen, can eat it. This also explains why in the second Aliyah, there is a, the second part of the Aliyah, there is a parallel to eating it like a deer. A deer means to say something which is not a sacrifice, which is not Kodshim. You never have a deer as a Korban, although it is kosher, and that's referring to Basar Tava, regular meat. So that's sort of the, the framework of the Aliyah. A few basic other points. Why is there such a big problem with eating Blood. Why does the Torah emphasize this? So Rashi explains a few things. He says that well, we may have thought that it would be allowed because in the times that we lived in the de- in the desert and we brought any regular meat we wanted to eat as a sacrifice, part of the blood of that animal went on the mizbech. So now that we're being freed up to eat regular meat, we may think, well, not only is the meat being allowed without the sacrificial service, but maybe even the blood is as well. So the Torah affirms, no, it is not being allowed. The blood is only allowed to be on the altar. Rashi also quotes the Gwari Bakos on Dav Chov Gimel and Beis, which tells us a very beautiful thing. The Torah gives so much reward in this Aliyah for um, complying to this law of not eating blood. Well, says Rashi, there is a natural human aversion to eating blood. It's disgusting. And if the Torah is giving so much reward for doing something which is natural, how much more so when doing and complying with something which is not natural, where it's harder, the Torah will certainly give even more reward for this. Rav Hirsch does point out that drinking blood seems to be associated with certain pagan superstitions. They believe that perhaps it would be lucky, it would be helpful, it would be secu- give them security, prosperity, li- livelihood um, by drinking animal blood. And the part of what Hashem is emphasizing is that's not how you succeed. We're moving away from the superstitious tribal mentality into, we'll call it a theological society where you trust in God, not superstitions. Finally, Rav also points out that the, the blood carrying the soul, the nefesh of the person or the animal is found in the soul, is found in the blood, is important and symbolically what it's saying is don't imbibe the soul of the animal. Don't allow the bloodstream of the animal to enter your bloodstream because you are more than that. An animal does have a nefesh. It doesn't have a ruach and a neshama, the higher levels of soul, but it does have an instinctive life force, which is found in its blood. It's interesting that Rav Arya Kaplan, in his comments, in his footnotes to the Derech Hashem of Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzato, points out that the, that the idea of the nefesh, the soul being in the blood, may actually be a more sophisticated way of explaining that the we'll call it the most lowest level of corporeal spirit is found in the synapses in the neural pathways the torah doesn't have the language to explain to a people who have not yet discovered neural pathways at the time it's given but the de- the dharma is referring to the highest we'll call it most ethereal part of the physical body which is the neural pathways which are even today we struggle to fully understand how they work both mo- mo- um, motor neurons and sensory neurons it's uh, the the pathways are incredibly complex and that's what's being referred to over here that's the most basic level of soul that we're talking about now why was this is the most crucial question in the entire year is why is it that Hashem just does not tell Israel where this special place is this aliyah this entire aliyah is about where Hashem is going to choose this place and that's where you're going to bring these korbanos well where is that place we know it's Yerushalayim why does the Torah not emphasize Yerushalayim this would be in the perfect place to describe that why not 
The Rambam in Morin of in the third chalik in Perak Memhe, towards the very end there, explains that there are three reasons. Number one, he explains that if the location of Yerushalayim would have been disclosed before the nation of Israel have really entered into the land of Israel, which is right now, all the local nations would have would have taken it and seized control of it to to remove it from the possibility of possession of Israel. And we see that his has played this reason out very clearly when the the the, the Jewish nation. Um, knew that this was a special place. All the other nations decided that it was special for them as well, which is why Jerusalem is such a contentious place that even today, if Israel were to put up a security camera in the area that they have military control over and, uh, and police control over, the entire Arab world goes into a uh, into riots because we have displayed the Jewish people have displayed that it's important to them so everybody else jumps onto that bandwagon. So Hashem wanted to make sure that they were not going to, he was not going to show the cards until Israel actually had control over Jerusalem. The second reason he says the nations would have destroyed it if they knew it was a shrine, if they knew it was important to Israel. Think of the tomb of Yosef HaTzadik in Shechem, which has been defiled multiple times against the Oslo Accords by the Palestinians. Um, if something is important to us and not to others, they would very easily destroy it. And the third reason the Rambam suggests which is the most powerful voice says is that if we, the nation of Israel, had known this is a special place before we got there, then everybody would have been vying and there would have been civil war to get it in their territory. Hashem first wanted, wanted Israel to arrive in the land of Israel, divide up the land, and then thereafterwards explain where Yerushalayim is so there would not be as much infighting. Unfortunately, this speaks to one of the greatest plagues that the nation of Israel has, which is themselves, um, the internal fighting of Israel. Perhaps there's another idea over here, a fourth level of understanding, and that is that Yerushalayim is always a place we move towards. It's never really a final destination. We're always searching for Yerushalayim. Like Avram Avinu is not told where Eretz HaMoriah or the Har HaMoriah is in Eretz HaMoriah when he's going to the Akedah, so to in our lives are perpetually discovering and seeking Jerusalem. This is the modality of Yerushalayim, is the constant journey upwards. With this we close our Aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.